Hello everyone and welcome to this webinar today. I'm Francis Seeley from Global Net 21 and Enfield Voices. And this is one of the many webinars we do that look at global, national and local issues. And today we're going to look at um, uh, a local issue, but it has global repercussions because it's about people in need. It's about what's happened in the COVID pandemic. And it's about how local people satisfy a need that we see globally. And we've got Claire Donovan with us today. And Claire, during the COVID crisis, wondered what she could do to help people. And she looked at the possibility of cooking for people in need and delivering meals for people in need. And she put a post on social networks. And to her surprise, she got people who um, you know, were interested in helping her. And within 24 hours, I think they had uh, got together nearly 400 meals, which is quite amazing. So Claire, welcome today. And maybe you can tell us your, your story. But first, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. So, hi, I'm Claire Donovan. I'm the founder and director of Cooking Champions, which is a food-focused social enterprise. Um, my background is a little bit mixed. So, I'm, I was trained as a secondary uh, maths teacher. I, I taught for 14 years, and then kind of food is just a huge passion of mine. And then I went part time, got into setting up my own catering business, and then cooking champions was born out of that catering business you said uh cooking is a passion of yours yeah but you also believe it's a force for good don't you i mean what makes you say that just it it brings people together there's very few people that are not passionate about food whether it's their likes their dislikes it brings back childhood memories it's essential for good uh, physical and mental health it just has so many positive repercussions on every part of your life. Okay, um, now in the introduction, I said how you got started, but I'm sure you can tell it a lot better than me. Um, and, um, you know, you started Cooking Champions as a result yep. of what you got started. Tell us how you did get started. Tell us your story. So Cooking Champions started about three or four years ago, just me running a few children's cooking lessons and then doing um, about 25 meals every other week for um, an Enfield-based homeless charity called The Little Things, because um, I was building up my commercial catering um, alongside that and teaching at the same time, so it was like juggling a few things. But then um, summer 2020 would have been the summer that I had bookings pretty much every weekend for my catering business. It was going to be like my big successful summer. And then within about a week, all my bookings had been cancelled and I was very worried about how I was going to pay the bills in all honesty. But then I thought, well, I can either mope around and feel sorry for myself or I can put my catering skills to good use. That's when you picked up the story of just putting that message out and then after that first 24 hours of having 400 meals within 10 days we were settled in Winchmore Hill Sports Club they very very kindly let us stay there for a couple of months and we were making over a thousand meals a week with a huge team of volunteers we had cooks delivery drivers people helping with admin received huge amounts of donations from the public and places like the Felix Project, which is a food distribution charity. 
And we kept that going to such a high level until the end of August because we were feeding people uh, and especially children throughout the summer holidays. And we're still cooking. We're still providing 45 families a week with weekly food drop-offs. Um, and recently we hit the quite amazing target of 40,000 home-cooked meals, which when we started at 400, I just never thought that we'd get to this point. And it's kind of, as we've gone on, it's more, it's not a quick fix solution. It's like, what can we do to address the underlying issues of food poverty, which for me is just poverty. That's just one aspect of how we can help people in our local community. I mean, 40,000 meals, that's a lot of meals. And you told us how you got people together to do that. How did you get those people together? Where did they come from? Um, so annoying people, <laughs> just asking, please, <laughs> begging them. Um, to be fair, it, it was such a positive response for the community. Um, and we're not talking just the odd shift here and there. The core kitchen team which I'd say at the, when we were at our busiest was about 12 to 15 people. They were there at least once a week with most people doing two or three, six, seven, eight hour shifts. So it was a huge commitment. So it would never have happened without that core group. So when you talk about the core group and the people you have involved, yeah. are they volunteers or are they staff? Because you are a social enterprise, aren't you? And social enterprises are about social value, which you do yeah. very well, but yeah. they're also about earning a living. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have paid staff as well as volunteers? And what's the sort of distribution between that? So I have just left my teaching job. <laughs> um, so I'm working now full-time I say full-time that sometimes means seven days a week um but I love it so it's me um we have Jenny who is a Palmer's Green resident who is a, our food support manager who works four days a week and then we have Heather who's more of a freelance helping with big events and just the massive to-do list that we have at Cooking Champions so we have three paid members of staff and then uh, a couple of months ago before the summer I set up a job agency so everyone who works for Cooking Champions get paid at least the London living wage, most of the time more. Um, and it was for students just going off to university, helping with bigger events, so waitressing, helping in the kitchen as well. So on a weekly basis, we have three members of staff for events. We bring people in. And in, in order to, to, to make that work, you set up a CIC, haven't you, a community yeah. interest company. Why did you choose that particular model? Um, I think one of the ways we had to access funding was to be have a governance that fitted sort of the criteria for funding. And the three main ones were being a registered charity, um, a CIO and a CIC. And because we had no idea what Cooking Champions was going to become at the time, the CIC model was the easiest to sort of get registered, go through the process. Um, but we are very quickly changing um, to a different model because it's not working for us. And we had to pay, we had a nice little tax bill, which is ridiculous because all our money goes back in to our projects and now we have to pay a substantial tax bill which is yeah so you, me. I, know, I know 
what, what you went through. Um, you went through what lots of organizations do. They start with an idea, they want to do something, they suddenly want a bank account, they realize they've got to have a constitution, a business plan, et cetera, et cetera. And that focuses their minds in a way that they never thought they would have to in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You went through that, did you? Yeah, yeah. So um, was that a painful process? Not really. It's just admin. It's just tedious. But like I said, it has to be done. I mean, tedious in terms of the bank account and things like that. In terms of governance, it's really important. So we have three directors. We go through all the general structures you'd expect from a CIC. So that is important. But yeah, waiting on a phone for 45 minutes to speak to someone about a form or something is not what you want to be doing, really. No, I um, I think I sort of have sympathy with you on that. Um, you're now based at St Peter's, aren't you, the church yes. there, and you have a pop-up cafe. Tell us about that, what you do there and how the pop-up cafe works. I think we just go back a little bit because we're, we're coming up to our one-year anniversary of being in St Peter's Church. So we, this is our third uh venue that we've been based at since our covid response we had 48 hours notice to get out of the last one um and we were really stuck for about two weeks we operated out of a storage unit which was crazy um and then just st peter's come to the rescue the the church the congregation they just welcomed us with open arms um and for for lockdown we had the whole building to really boost our effort which was amazing um and it's because we've got this security now we're here for the long run we can do things like the community cafe so the community cafe is every friday we had a little break over the summer holidays to give our volunteers a break and just sort of breathe and take <laughs> take stock of everything that's happened so we are relaunching on the 24th of september Hop us 10 to hop us two, and we now have indoor seating as well. So rain or shine, we will be running every single Friday. Um, that is run by volunteers. Um, we, it's just such a positive, lovely atmosphere. We pride ourselves on homemade food, good quality service, and it's a time for local residents to get together and, and it really tackles issues like social isolation. So as residents get to know us, they get to know the other customers. So someone will turn up on their own and end up staying for a couple of hours just on a table chatting with other people. And it's just lovely. Well, you, you, you talked about the fact that you, you know, make 40,000 meals that you have. And, and that's amazing. You told us about how you get volunteers and you've got some staff. The other side of the equation are those who need the meals, those in need. How do you find those? What's your method of reaching out to people in need? Sure. So when we first started, we were completely new to this game. Um, and I know that there are so many dedicated organisations across Enfield who do fantastic work, who we just looked up to, really. So people that stand out are... Carrie um, from North Enfield Food Bank, she helped us in terms of having the right uh, referral process. Emma Rigby from Love Your Doorstep was able to connect us with lots of people. Um, and then it's just working with other bodies at so Age UK. Um, sometimes a council would refer people. 
And then we have the option of people self-referring as well. So there is a mixture, but everyone that receives our help goes through a referral process. Not that we, we, we I think we might have had, well, we don't turn anyone away. Um, it's just so we've got a few bits of information just so we can offer the best support possible to them. So when you find these people, yeah. I mean, do they come to you or do you deliver to them? We deliver. Um, and that in itself is another challenge um, because we are so reliant on volunteers. Um, we'd be lost without them. Um, and then sometimes it's just quite difficult to fill those spaces. But the reason why we deliver is that lots and lots of people that we help just can't access food banks. So we have an elderly gentleman on the 14th floor of a tower block who hasn't left his flat since the beginning of COVID. We're helping a, a single mum who's got six kids and would have to catch two buses with six kids to go to a food bank. It's just not practical. So we help as much as we can just to make their lives that little bit easier for them. But you also said, interestingly, that um, you know when people come to the Poppin Cafe, you've got a sense of community. Mm -hmm. So you're about community, not just mills on wheels, aren't you? You're about helping people. And you mentioned isolation, for example. If you find somebody is suffering from isolation and it's affecting their mental health, can you help them further than just giving them, you know, a meal for the day? Absolutely. And I think this is why our volunteers are so amazing, is that they don't just drop the food off and go. They'll have a chat. Sometimes there'll be things like, my washing machine is broke. Can you help me? And our volunteers, like I keep saying, go above and beyond. They'll source a washing machine and get it delivered or... Unfortunately, there's been some sad occasions when people have passed away. So we help with offering support for the funerals. There's just all getting the prescriptions. There's lots of different examples I could give you of how our volunteers help in other ways rather than just food. And for a lot of people, it might be the one time a week where they get to speak to someone face to face. And then sometimes we'll have people that don't answer the door. So that raises a concern. So then we'll follow that up. And it just means that they've got someone else looking out for them. So yeah, it's really important. You talked about satisfying those needs. And you also said on your website that um, as a teacher, you thought you had a general understanding of different people's needs. But when you started this, it was a sort of eye opener. You discovered needs that you hadn't even considered. What did you discover? Um, I, it's quite tricky. It is, um, so in, just to give you, without obviously going into too much detail, it's just people getting very upset when they're talking about not being able to feed their children. So they're missing meals or they'll go whole days without food so they can feed their children. Um, people going through cancer treatment who just haven't got the resources to eat in a healthy way. So that's why we make meals as well as just giving food to people is that they might be exhausted. Elderly people might not be able to cook for themselves. So it's just ensuring they just have a nutritionally balanced, healthy meal waiting for them. Okay, so you're beginning to expand what you do now, aren't you? 
and you're looking at developing some exciting events in the future. One is in Bloomfield Park in Palmer's Green this summer. Tell us what you'll be doing there. This is very exciting. So we are organising Palmer's Green first ever food festival. And I know there's a very well established Palmer's Green Festival, which I've been to many times myself, but this one is solely focused on food. Um, Cooking Champions are running it. Um, we have a few key aims that we wanted to achieve with this event. So one, we wanted to make it free for the community to enter. We wanted to support and raise the profile of some amazing local food businesses, many of which have helped us um, during making meals, giving us ingredients and also to raise awareness of what we do, um, what our partner charity, The Little Things Do, and what Enfield Food Alliance does as well. So there's lots and lots going on. We've got um, food stalls, demonstrations, competitions, lots of activities for the children, uh, live music. It's just going to be a lovely, lovely event. And okay. it's not going to rain. <laughs> uh, no, it won't rain. I'm sure it won't rain. Um, but you're doing this, aren't you, as well, as part of Enfield's big green festival. You've come into that network of events, mm -hmm. which we've got almost 100 of, uh, uh, events coming up, which is quite frantic, really. How important is it that you feel you're part of a total event highlighting sustainability and climate change? I'm going to be totally honest. I'm... I'm not as informed as I need to be. It is a priority of Cooking Champions uh, to be more aware and do more. So we're taking baby steps. Um, and I'm just so open to learning from what's going on around us that this festival is huge and I want to listen to other people. But in terms of what we're doing, it's things like no single use plastic is al allowed by any traders on site. We, we're given dem demonstrations about how to use food waste, so things like when you use a cabbage, can you use the leaves rather than just putting them in the food waste? Can you do something with that? Um, and then it's just trying to emphasize how using local suppliers, growing your own vegetables, which will be covered in the food festival, all these things, if everyone just does their bits together, it'll make an impact. Well, I was going to ask you about that because um, I see that you designed in your project right from the start a, a zero food waste policy and you talked mm -hmm. about plastics and so on. Um, did that happen in, in, incidentally or did you go into the project saying we want to be sustainable in that way? Um, our biggest food supplier is the Felix project. So for those of you who are unaware of their work. They're a fantastic London-based charity um, and they're a food redistribution charity. So they'll have food from Tesco's, Waitrose, big suppliers. So anything that the supermarkets can't sell or there's extra or surplus produce, we use that food. So instead of going to landfill, we're using it for people, which is absolutely fantastic. And we've worked out since the COVID response, we have had nearly nine and a half tons of food from the Felix project, which would have gone into landfill. So that's quite staggering, I think. 
Yeah, that is staggering. We, we actually have a group of young people in NCAF, we call it NCAF Youth, and they're going to do a project, a, a session at Southgate College, where they're going to try and involve students in looking at how we can eliminate food waste. Is that something you think you could help them with? Absolutely, absolutely. And I just think just really basic things is having correct storage. So the number of like food that goes in, this is like statistic that 20% of food that people buy ends up in the bin. So just having reusable containers, storing it at the right temperature, you know, making meals out of little bits that you've got in, in the fridge, all of these things can be really easy to adapt into your everyday lifestyle. Okay, well, I'll let them know that. And um, you, in, in the future, you've got some more plans, haven't you? I mean, you're not standing still, sort of <laughs> sitting on your laurels. You've got tremendous imagination and you're thinking of where you can go from now. And one of those is working with local schools, isn't it? Running food education workshops. Um, how far have you got on that? Is that something that is, you're developing or have you got it going at the moment? very much in the development stage um i thought i'd have time over the summer but that didn't happen um we've paired up with a local primary school and we've had an initial meeting so it's just up to me now to go away and plan the resources and sort of where we see this going is trialing it with a few schools before launching it on a wider scale but our aim is to speak to every year five student in enfield borough um, and that would be amazing if this was continued. So then, you know, you have a whole generation of people receiving the same positive messages about what they can do in terms of healthy eating, which then has a knock on effect for things like food waste, which then affects climate change. So, yeah. At this point, Claire sort of crashed out because she had some drilling in the room she was in and she had to change room. Well, she did that. She went into the church, but she also changed her clothes or at least her top. Um, so you'll see a different Claire with a different top. But believe me, she's the same person. So <laughs> back into the interview now. Um, you're obviously doing some really, really ambitious things and, you know, maybe you're going to take over the world sometime, but um, certainly the cooking world. But one of the things you're doing, which is really interesting, is you want to set up a training academy uh, to widen employment opportunities, don't you? Now, that is ambitious. Tell us how you plan to do that. You're right. It's ambitious, but we believe it's much needed. So after speaking to many of our recipients, they want to earn money they don't want people to hand them food although they're really grateful they would much rather earn their own money and choose what they want to buy for themselves um and one of the big gaps in the job industry at the moment is the catering and hospitality world so we've got a huge gap we've got people that need jobs and we've got us who work in that industry so it just it seemed like a no-brainer to connect the dots and make it happen so we are launching on the 1st of November we are recruiting 10 people at a time and they're going to have a five-week intensive training course um, they'll receive lessons in the kitchen so basic food preparation front of house they'll have expert sessions from local businesses they'll receive two accredited qualifications from the course as well and we've networked with lots of businesses who are able to offer employment after they've graduated from this course 
and also which we think is going to be a really key factor is that we're going to provide mentoring after they've graduated so it might be that they're having a really bad day they're they're late they're stressed but they, they just don't know how to communicate that with their employer so they can ring us and we can be the middle person to kind of talk them through rather than just not turning up or being in a high state of anxiety we can have a chat we can ring the employer saying this is happening and just be more aware and be more accommodating for people which will help people stay in their jobs longer well, that that's great and i hope you succeed in all that because that's an amazing ambition you've got i mean apart from those things and those are big enough i mean tell us do you have any other ideas about your future and what would you like to see yourself be in five years time <laughs> um we would like to expand um outside of enfield across north london if not the whole of london um but we've got a lot of work to do here first so i just don't believe in expanding beyond enfield before we have everything running at a really high standard and as we've talked about we've got the cafe we've got the primary school education program we've got the academy that's enough oh, and we do lots of events as well um so we cater for weddings corporate events so we've got all that as well um i think that's enough but ideally i would love to have our own restaurant so it's almost going full circle that the people that we're helping they go through the academy they then become paid staff with us and then they become mentors for the next lot of people going through the uh, academy well that is a great idea i mean to have a, a series of restaurants that actually you know help people in need as well as you know serve people who come into the restaurant and you know that is a, a, a fantastic idea if you can develop it i think a lot of people will be interested in what you're doing and what your ambitions are so if people wanted to contact you to help you to find out more about what you're doing where would they go to do that so we have our website which is cookingchampions.uk we're on facebook instagram twitter um, or just on the from the 25th if you're free on a Friday pop down have a cup of tea have a chat with us we've got some great cake um, Ali makes some fantastic carrot cake and we've got Jack's famous sausage rolls all handmade and delicious um, all come to the food festival and just anyone with a red t-shirt or jumper there'll be lots of us we're a friendly bunch so just come and say hi Okay, well, that's great. Well, thanks for, thanks for doing this, Claire, because, you know, what began is very small, but big in terms of concept idea has clearly expanded into something that has involved lots of people who want to help out, who want to make a difference, has helped a lot of people as well, and has inspired you to think at how you can develop that in a way that, you know, will help more people and involve other people who want to make a difference as well. So I think it's a really great project and I think everyone will wish you all the success in achieving what your ambitions are. So thank for, thanks for joining us and telling us about what is an incredibly uh, exciting and innovative project. So thank you, Claire. And we'll uh, end this interview now. <laughs>